1: As far as the Sunday game is concerned, look, Kodai Senga's got to figure it out. I mean, because he was bad. I mean, there's there's just no denying what we saw. He didn't have the worst first inning. He issued a two-out walk, and then Francisco Alvarez actually picked off Guerrero at first base, which got reviewed, challenged, and succeeded. But after that first inning, his command was off. He was giving up ropes. He got bailed out on a really good defensive play by Lindor, made a diving play in that second inning. He gives up the bomb to Guerrero. He issues more walks. And finally, Buck has to take him out of the game. Just a, a bad performance. I mean, I, we could spend a lot of time on it. You walk five guys in two and two-thirds innings. I know Alvarez had the miscue in which he tried to pick another guy off, and this time he threw it in the center field, and that allowed Matt Chapman to score from second. They reviewed that play. Very, very close play. I thought he may have been out. But one thing we've learned about review is when it's that close, they're just not going to overturn it. But it doesn't take away from the fact that Senga was just bad. He was really, really bad. The one thing that surprised me is that this bullpen, really Steven Nagosik, came in and kept him in the game, which was surprising because I'm sitting there with my family at this game thinking they're going to get killed. Like this is going to turn into an 8 9 nothing kind of story. They were down 4 nothing. Nagosik got a big out when he came in. After Senga was pulled, they got a run in the third on the FAM home run. As Ngozik starts to pitch one, two, three innings, they get a run in the fifth on the FAM home run, another FAM home run. And then they come back and tie in the sixth. They get two more home runs. Pete Alonzo hits that close home run that was initially called a double. They finally call it a home run. Or no, they called it a home run that it was challenged. They kept it a home run. He's now got the most at City. Marte hits that bomb. City fields exploding. Mets come back and tie the game. And then instantly, Dominic Leone gives it all right back. So we go to who should pitch there. Should Leone, who, remember, got a big out to get out of the sixth, got a big ground out with runners on second and third two outs, should Buck, once the game is now tied seventh inning, heart of the order coming up, go a little bit better? And I think he should have. Like, I give Leon credit for getting that big ground out, but now that it's a tie game and you have an off day on Monday, you have an off day, okay, so you have no baseball to worry about on Monday before the Atlanta series, can you use Adam Adovino again? Can you use David Robertson again? Are they available after all the pitches they threw on Saturday? They didn't pitch Friday. They did not pitch Thursday. Right? They pitched Tuesday and they pitched Wednesday. So nothing Thursday, nothing Friday, pitched a lot on Saturday. I don't see why they can't come into this game. That's just me. I don't see why they can't, especially in the seventh inning when you have the heart of the order coming up. Like You've got to find a way after you have just fought all the way back from being down 4-0. You've got to find a way to keep this game tied. And Dominic Leone stays in the game, and what does he do? One-out single, Brandon Belt on a one-two pitch. That always drives me nuts. He's ahead of the count. Hits a bomb the center field, and you could turn the freaking lights out because the Met offense wasn't all of a sudden going to wake up. They had four solo home runs in this game. Great. That's fantastic. Thank you, Tommy Pham. And they did nothing else. Nothing else. They got a leadoff man on in the seventh. Alvarez promptly grounds into a double play, and then they got mowed down by Simber, Swanson, and Romano. So, yeah, my criticism would be I haven't used Adovino and Robertson on Thursday and Friday. Yes, I used them a lot on Saturday. I acknowledge that. There's no game Monday. I got to try to avoid getting swept. I got to try to find a way to keep this freaking game tied. Maybe I scratch out a run, and maybe, dare I say, you avoid the sweep, win a game, and we look at this homestand differently. We really do. Mets win the finale of this series. Sure, they lose two out of three. That's a four and two homestand, which we all would assign for. Instead, we live in the land of mediocrity. As far as the boos are concerned, I want to make something clear. I've always said this I'm not one to boo. I don't boo my own guys, but I get why you all do. I'm not criticizing anybody for doing it. And right now, and it's always the case. The poster boy for the booze is going to be the highest paid guy. It's always the case. And that's why we can critique Nimmo and we can critique McNeil and we can go after Alonzo, Whether anybody likes it or not, it's going to be Francisco Lindor. I was walking into the Westchester County Center with the game on my little uh, phone, holding my son's hand. And a guy next to me, we started talking about the Mets. And he said to me, Why? is Lindor the first guy people go after? And I said, you you know the reason? The reason is the money. The reason is why Carlos Beltran would be turned on by Met fans. The reason why Jason Bay was turned on by Met fans. It's the money and it's the hype. What Lindor needs to do, and I'm going to give him credit because he's done it, is he's got to handle it. Giancarlo Stanton is handles it why is Stan the guy Yankee fans go after it's the same thing you get paid a lot of money you got a resume from elsewhere you're gonna be the poster boy for it and Stan to his credit has always handled it brilliantly Lindor it was after Saturday's game was asked about it and he said I don't try to tune it out I don't try to ignore it I get why they're doing it they're frustrated we're all frustrated you got to say stuff like that because it's that's the only thing you can say. And you got to not let it bother you because Met fans don't want to hate Francisco Lindor. They're not out there to hate him. They're out there saying, you got to perform. And right now, he's not. You know, last week, we were talking about what kind of year he's had. And I was saying, look, the average is bad. We all know it. The OPS is bad. We all know it. But... He's driving in a lot of runs, and he's getting clutch hits. So all those numbers mean nothing. Well, a week later, he got no clutch hits. He struck out every other at-bat, and so now you start to pick at the average and pick at the OPS, which wasn't good a week ago. But when you have a week full of doing nothing, or for the most part nothing, it becomes easier to attack it. He's got to be better. We all know that. He's not the only one who needs to be better. But, of course, he's going to be the face of it because he's going to hear the most boos, and he has to learn from what happened two years ago with Baez that you can't respond by attacking us. You can't respond by saying, ah, everybody's an idiot. You got to just go out and play better. And the Mets need Lindor to play better. They need Alonzo to spite the home run to play better. They need McNeil to play better. They need Nimmo to play better. I stand by something I've said a lot this year, even though we're now 60 games into the year. I think this offense can be good. I think it should be good. It still isn't my biggest issue or my biggest worry. I know it's easy to say it should be based on what just happened over the last six games, but I look at the guys in this lineup, and I know what they're capable of doing. And they got to be better, especially now, because this new losing streak coincides with going to Atlanta. And that's not a fun place to go. The Atlanta Braves won their final two games of this series. So after getting to three and a half games out, the Mets are now five and a half games out. They're now six in the loss column. Why that matters? You can get buried over the next three days. You can. Let's go out and lose all three games. They're nine games out in the loss column. I know what Atlanta did last year. The Mets ain't going to reverse that. So all of a sudden, and I think these games in Atlanta were going to be big either way, but now they're even bigger. Because if you think the division matters, if you want to win the National League East, they got to go out there and win a couple of games. They got to find a way to win a couple of games. Confidence-wise, they got to win a couple of games. They've got Carlos Carrasco going in the opener. Who the hell knows what to expect from him? He was great in his last start, but none of us know. They're going to take on Bryce Elder. What's Bryce Elder done? He leads the league in ERA. Just in case you need an update. 24-year-old kid leads the league in ERA. Then you have the starting pitching edge in game two. Max Scherzer, who really needs to pitch well in Atlanta, talked about that on the last Rico, against Charlie Morton. And then you got Verlander against Spencer Strider. What's going to happen in Atlanta? I have no idea. I guess I lean towards bad stuff will happen in Atlanta. I mean, the Mets haven't been a good road team. The Braves coming off back-to-back wins against a good Diamondback team. And just based on our history, based on what we've seen in our lifetimes, but this is this is a tough spot because I think at times I have thought, I can't speak for every Mets fan. I have thought, okay, we figured things out. Okay, we're about to go on a run. Okay, 5 and 1 home stand. Okay, respond to that bad road trip sweeping the Philadelphia Phillies. Things are going to be fine and every time that happens, they've responded with something bad. And here we are 60 games into the year and they're 30 and 30. And at some point you wonder is that just who they are? I, I still think the Mets should be better than that. I think they are better than that. But we've had a lot of starting and stops. And it feels like these next three games in Atlanta, and even the three in Pittsburgh, let's give the Pirates credit. The Pittsburgh Pirates have had a good year. And if you look at standings this early and care about them, well, those games matter too, because the Mets and Pirates may well battle for a playoff spot. Right now they're close. I can't tell you it's going to be the case in two months, but right now it's close. So it does feel like these next six games before the subway series, which is so it's not as important. I've always said that. And I stand by that. Those games are all for arguing with your neighbors and crap in terms of where the Mets stand in the national league, trying to get back in this race with Atlanta, a Pittsburgh team that may well be a factor for the wild card all year. I don't know. These games matter big time. And let me tell you another reason why they matter. Just in case you forgot. Because you better have a reminder. And this is why these National League games do matter more. There's no more one-game playoffs. It's dead. So if the New York Mets, and forget the Braves, and the Pittsburgh Pirates finish with 87 wins this season, and that's the last playoff spot, what do you think happens? Think they flip a coin? Think they play a game at PNC Park? No, no, no. They have a tiebreaker, and that tiebreaker is head-to-head. So go win two out of three against the Pirates. I mean, it matters. The tiebreaker last year with Atlanta. Let's not forget that. It was head-to-head. Mets and Braves finished with the same record. We like to forget that. It matters. These games matter. And that's why I'm not saying this for any other reason than I believe it. For the month of June, a week, week and a half in a June, These games against the Braves and the Pirates are enormous. Enormous. Now, let me get to some of your emails because I know we got a lot of them and a lot of angry people. Let me start off with a a lighthearted email from Lee Schneider. Lee, his subject is Evan watching Mets game on phone at wrestling event. That's his uh, subject. (laughs) Hey, Evan. Great seeing you in White Plains at WWE. I had a great time with my son. I hope you did too. Jeff, did you have a great time at WWE? Yes? What was your favorite match? You don't know? Okay. <laughs> I listened to Game 2 of the Blue Jays series on the radio on my long drive up from Long Island, and I was following on Gamecast as I waited on line to get to the Westchester County Center with my 6-year-old. I looked over and saw a familiar redhead with a phone in one hand watching the Mets on the SNY app and his child's hand in the other. I kept our conversation to a minimum, Because I didn't want to impose on your night out with your son. That's very sweet. I got to thinking, though, that arena is a dump, and you are a noted DVR Mets watcher. You could easily have gone through the event without being spoiled. Why didn't you DVR the game and watch when you got home? It's a good question. I'm going to give the answer to this, because I am a noted DVR watcher. Because the game started at 4.30, supposed to start earlier, but obviously the Hall of Fame stuff, which was great, Um, I figured I'm going to watch the game. So I watched it with my dad, with my son, between 4.30 and about 6.45. I happen to live very close to the Westchester County Center, so we left and was there in five minutes. I feel bad for Lee from Long Island, but that was the beauty of the Westchester County Center. The location is the best part. Um, So I figured, you know what, it's like two Two hours, 210, 215 of the game. I may watch the whole game, depending on how quick it is. Let me watch it once it's the seventh inning, and I'm now leaving, and I'm now going to a wrestling event. I figured, why have this hanging over my head? Why try to ignore things? Uh, I'm gonna take videos. I'm probably gonna send it to like, uh, you know, my mother-in-law and my mom. So why, why screw around? Because when you send text messages, you see other text messages, obviously. And I may get spoiled. So my thought was, since I was watching most of the game anyway, let me just at least finish it, and then I don't have to worry about it. And that's exactly what happened. And the game ended prior to the event starting. Game ended about 7.15. So, yeah, he's right. Lee is right. I had the Met game on my phone. My dad was looking over my shoulder watching it. Jet was sort of into it. I was really into it. And then, as I was waiting online, me and everybody else was talking about the Mets. That was basically my night. So I want to answer that. That was my reasoning, Lee. Thank you very much. Uh, let's go to Ian Nolan. Ian writes, Lindor. Lin- lineups have generally proven to be almost insignificant from a run standpoint, but it's probably past time for Lindor and his 283 on base to move down. His on base is now the lowest of anybody in the everyday lineup. The more we see of Lindor, the more it feels like he's a good to very good player, but certainly not a franchise cornerstone like he's being paid. So the real question is, do we move him down in the lineup? I wouldn't be opposed to it if there was a better option. Like that, That's my issue with all this. Now, you're right, his on-base is unacceptable. No, no one's going to deny that. You cannot have a 283 on on-base and have that be acceptable right now. But if your plan is, okay, I want to drop Lindor to six or seven, how are you lining it up? And if you care so much about on base, does that mean you want Daniel Vogel back towards the top of the order? Because despite his lack of hitting, he still gets on base. So I'm not as enthralled with shaking up the lineup. And even on Sunday, Buck really didn't shake the lineup that much. He, he didn't have Nimmo play. So naturally needed a leadoff hitter. And I guess Cana for McNeil. You want to say that? But there was a lefty on the mound, which is probably part of his thinking. So I don't even think the lineup on Sunday was that significantly shooken up. I think it was just affected by the fact that Nimmo wasn't playing. I'm not big on, hey, you got to shake the lineup up. So I don't feel like they really need to do much. And I would throw these guys out there and just hope they hit. Because I don't know if batting Lindor sixth is going to get him going. I don't know if, you know, moving... McNeil to the leadoff spot, something I know you've liked before, and dropping Nimmo is going to get guys going. So I err on the side of just put the guys out there and hope they turn it around.
0: See, I, I thought it was a bigger deal today that McNeil wasn't batting second. I, I, and I and when when Nimmo was in the game, the fact that Fan was leading off, I'm like, listen, now that ended up working out. But, I mean, how often does it work out? It doesn't work out as much as we we want to make it sound. And, again, I'm not opposed to keeping things the same and not shaking things up. But I think Buck just constantly is is sitting people that we prefer not to see sat. Uh I know Beatty hasn't been listen, he's been awful. So I, I respect the fact that they had to sit him today against the left hander. But still the fact that he they went from Alvarez smoking the ball at ninth to move him to second where after a day or two doesn't work out, goes back to ninth, you know, you stop screwing with people. That that's my issue. I don't
1: think it cools guys off though to go from nine to two. I don't. I don't think that's the reason Alvarez has
0: cooled off. No, I don't. I don't. I'm not saying that's exactly the reason why, but there was no reason to touch that either. So a lot of people were clamoring for, well, he's doing so great at nine, make him go to two or move him up in the lineup. And I'm like, he's in every spot he's supposed to be. Every spot he needs to get up, he's in a big spot, and he's coming through. And guess what? He's hitting before Nimmo, which is basically the top of the order. Isn't that right. kind of like an additional leadoff? I love that.
1: Yeah, no, I, I've always said that. I like having a, a capable hitter batting ninth. Peter writes, here at City Field in the ninth inning, he's writing from the Sunday game, miserable output even with four solo home runs, but isn't it pathetic that they can't even put batting averages on the scoreboard? <laughs> to make things look higher than they are, they just list OPS. Well, at least the fried chicken sandwich on the glazed donut was good. I think a part of why OPS is put up more than batting average is because that's the more important stat. It just is. And even though there's still a lot of people that go to games and don't really know what an OPS is, and believe it or not, that's true. There are still people that are like, what's OPS again? What's a good OPS? What's an average OPS? I think that we are moving in a direction where more and more people are realizing that's just the stat that matters more. So I don't think this is about, let's we don't want to put average up because it's so low. <laughs> I think it's just that's what they think matters. Asher Weiss writes, you are what your record says you are. After 60 games, the Mets are 30 and 30. That's the definition of mediocrity. We can no longer fall back on the old, it's early excuse. Sure, it's a long-ass season, but we're well over a third of the way through. This team is good enough to tease us into thinking they're actually good, but then they go 2-4 and against the Cubs and Rockies or get swept by the Blue Jays. They play like a 750 team for a bit, and then they shock us with a stretch that makes them look like a 250 team. That's exactly what 500 teams do. If this sounds overtly negative, I don't mean to. Just being a realist and trying to jolt us out of the fantasy of thinking that without major changes, the team is capable of competing for the division. It's not. And I think it's time to start worrying about the playoffs, too. But again, if we make the right changes, all is not lost. So what are we going to do about it? Okay, a couple of things. I remember saying this about a month ago, and maybe we should have realized this even before the season. The Atlanta Braves are a better baseball team. You know, I look at these games coming up, and, and they're huge, and I want to win it, I want to get back into the race. But talent-wise, they're a better team. And I think we've known that for a long time. Okay, so I, I don't know if necessarily what's happened over the last three games against the Blue Jays has changed any of that. The Braves are a better baseball team. Am I convinced that this is who they are 30-30, and 30? I'm not there yet, but the longer this goes, the the tougher it's going to be to deny it because we are 60 games into the season. We're no longer with it's early. And I don't think any of us want to hear any more about the Phillies from last year or the Braves or all the other great examples of teams that were average and then all of a sudden turned it on. If the Mets are going to do that, then go do it. Go do it, because those are things that are really tough to predict. Like No one sat here and thought the Philadelphia Phillies were going to turn it on, make the playoffs, and go win the pennant. Like it happened. So I can't sit here and make those proclamations about this team. I do think that if Verlander and Scherzer are healthy, and they're going to be able to pitch, and that was the one positive outside of the Senga game on Sunday, that you got out of this homestand. They pitched their butts off for five out of six games that their offense will come back. Their offense is not this bad. But, yeah, when you get to 60 games in a season, it's tough to continue to utter the lines of it's early, it's early, it's early. Because it's not early. At some point, you are who you are. And, obviously, we all hope this is not who they are. Uh, One thing that was cool this weekend was the Hall of Fame Big fan of Outlider. Hojo was my childhood. And obviously, Gary and Howie are the voices. They are the voices of Mets fandom. I thought Howie Rose's speech was amazing, especially when he talked about, there's nobody that loves the Mets or is more proud of the Mets than me, and you could put that in the book. Like That's just a great line. And then even the, the comment about winning a championship, how he has that one other call he needs to do, which is the World Series, and that he believes in Bach and the team – He's really trying to fire the team up. The problem is the team responded by doing nothing. The team took that speech and said, yeah, we'll show you. Let's score five runs in two games and lose the final two games of this series. We'll do that for you. What haunted me on Friday was Friday was a sellout. They announced 42,000 people for that fireworks night. And seeing that full city field reminded me of the playoffs. And then the way they played reminded me of the playoffs. And it's almost like, can this team not play when it's sold out? Can they not play when the eyes are on them and there's 42,000 people there? It's just a very, very discouraging weekend against the Toronto Blue Jays. Very, very discouraging. And you hope they could turn things around, but this is going to be a big test. The Atlanta Braves for three, the Pittsburgh Pirates for three, and I think we'll throw in a couple of extra Ricos. And I promised one last week. Things got very busy this week, so we only did your normal two Ricos. Or no, did we do? Th- no, we did two. We did one after each series. I think with the Braves series coming up, We'll throw a couple of instant reactions in there. And I definitely want to do a podcast, and we're going to do it this week, on the could-have-been-off season. All the targets that the Mets could have had, that some wanted us to have, and how things would have worked out in the alternate universe of the Mets acquiring those targets. So we'll get to that coming up this week as well. You can email the pod, thericobb at gmail.com, the b at gmail.com. Craig and I, at 2 o'clock on the fan, Monday through Friday, and obviously Hoff with Tiki and Tierney. At ten a.m. on the fan. We appreciate you listening and downloading Rico Bronya. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Rico Bronya podcast. It's amazing, isn't it? Make sure you download it now to keep it on you at all times.